Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where the stars are at war. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. Beep, 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 Well said. Today, we want to talk a little bit about the Star Wars Episode Nine trailer, because it's going to be our last chance for a while, it sounds like. It's going to be a kind of break here after this uh, Star Wars saga epic comes to an end. Yeah, it's kind of nuts thinking about it that they kind of canceled all of their plans, or at least some of their plans, after Solo and try to rework what they're doing. But I don't actually know how long they're planning on taking a break from all of this. Have they even said? I just know there is a break. Yeah, they basically just said that it sounds like that they're not going to do any more spinoff movies. They're going to double down on like saga movies, like trilogies. So it sounds like there won't be another movie until either Ryan Johnson or or the two Game of Thrones showrunners get to their next trilogy. Like, those will be the okay. next Star Wars movies we see, is what it's sounding like. Yeah, and I'm honestly okay with that, because as I liked Solo. I, I really did. It just wasn't, you know, it didn't... It didn't make me starstruck, <laughs> but it. Uh, but I hated Rogue One, and so I'm okay with them not doing side stories as long as they keep the quality up on what they do put out. Yeah, I want brand new epic sagas that are, you know, galaxies spanning, but different areas of the galaxy and different characters and, you know, just like epic scale, but in a different, there's just so much of that universe that they could do so much with it. And they're so confined to the same places and characters and situations again and again. So I'm kind of really excited for this to wrap up. And then they can do something else that's epic and doesn't have to be tangentially related to this. It can be its own thing. And it'll be good to be scared again. Like, remember when they first announced that this was coming out where everybody was just trepidatious about what Star Wars was going to be? It's like, after this is over, we have no idea what they're going to do with any of the Star Wars movies. We know some of the TV shows now, but we don't have any idea what movies are going to be after this. So that kind of anticipation is going to be back a lot more than we felt since the force awakens well and i'm hoping that disney is far enough in with star wars now that they're going to start like letting go of some of the reins and actually let people branch out i know i've talked about this before but i like star wars when it gets weird and it gets creative and it gets different and it hasn't been able to do that like they've really wanted to finish out this saga so they've kept everything on such a tight leash um but it sounds like they're finally like okay solo didn't do well and um you know now they're going to branch out into more tv shows than they were live action tv shows which is new for star wars on the new streaming service you know they're rebooting these epic sagas not rebooting but like starting brand new ones and i don't know there's just so much like possibility for new things i mean there's even um talk over the last couple weeks where lucasfilm confirmed that they're looking at doing um the old republic again and like really? actually bringing I haven't seen it that canon. at all. Yeah, it, it was no confirmation. Like, I've seen reports that it was confirmed that they're actually doing it. And that's not what it was. I went back and I looked at the quote because I was I care about Star Wars. Yeah, and absolutely. It was Kathleen Kennedy. And she basically said, yeah, we're looking at pursuing that as projects. So it's like internal discussions are going on where they seem like they're finally open to more things. Like they can get away from the original trilogy, which is it's about right. time. But I mean, all of that to say, like, episode nine, to bring it back to our topic is you know, this is the last time we're going to be able to do this for this saga. And so we just wanted to like talk about the trailer a little bit. And it it's kind of interesting because I feel like the last two times we did something similar for like episode eight and for uh, episode seven, I had so many ideas. I had so many theories. I had so many like reactions. And this time I don't because it maybe it's actually going to end the saga is what it sounds like. And that could yeah. mean so many different things that I think it's kind of a very open movie. And I think that because we know that this is the last of this Skywalker saga, that we know that they've said they're ending Luke's, Luke and Anakin's story here. And I think because of that, it there, there's not as much to speculate about. And not even necessarily not as much to speculate about. It's that I, we're just kind of curious how they're going to wrap everything up because it's always been so epic and so great brand they're gonna have to bring it in a little bit and so that that doesn't necessarily give us a whole lot of looking forward to amazing new things it's just i'm hoping we get good character stuff in this one and and i'm thinking we might based on the way that they've talked about carrie fisher and things like that yeah well like leia's theme was throughout the entire trailer basically and that was like one of the things that i noticed right away um and, and and Jennifer noticed that like I didn't hear like I don't recognize things like that very often like the use of musical motif like I really can't just I don't hear it and uh so Jennifer's the one who told me about that uh that I was like oh good for them 
I don't notice unless it's something that I know really well. Like, it's usually character motifs, so, like, I would probably be able to pick out some Final Fantasy ones and stuff they were used to, but Star Wars, I know well enough that I, I hear it, like, right when it comes up. So, like, yeah, the Leia theme was throughout the whole trailer, and then, um, you know, Leia is going to be in this because they cut a bunch of footage from Episode 7 because it didn't quite fit the story they were going to do, but they ended up being able to use it for Episode 9, which is super interesting. Which is so awesome because they are because they're not going to resort to any kind of CGI replication or anything that that's going to honestly be disrespectful because the whole Tarkin thing, I didn't like it. I wish they had just gone with a different actor rather than the recreation of uh, of Tarkin himself. And I can't remember his name off the top of my head now. Um, Peter something. Yeah, it's Peter something and my brain is is dead and everyone's going to hate me for this. But it's uh, but I, I'm glad they're not doing that to Carrie Fisher, that that it's it's it would just be wrong. I would rather her not be in the movie than have it done something like that, that they're using actual footage. Well, and it's like they're wrapping in things that have been throughout the entire like Anakin and Luke, like the Skywalker saga, basically, you know, Luke and Anakin's lightsaber is back and it's whole, whether it's fixed or whatever happened to it. But I mean, we saw it in the trailer. And there are other things, too, like um, R2-D2 is conspicuously absent from the entire trailer, Um, whereas like C-3PO is definitely like part of the adventure and he's like there with the traveling around. And I don't know, there's there's enough nods to things that happened in the past that I really think that hopefully they're going to try to tie it all up. And I really hope they do that. Like, and I'm really hoping that some of the stuff that they 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 hinted at with uh, with Daisy Ridley and the stuff when they use the stream, the announcement uh, to do everything, they were they keep showing Ray with the with the staff. And I'm hoping that Luke's lightsaber and Anakin's lightsaber that it gets incorporated into a. a double-bladed lightsaber a dual saber because if not they have they have like foreshadowed this and and used that iconography completely wrong that they have led up to not letting her have one that would be really cool that being the one that she makes like like if they don't let ray build a lightsaber in this one i'm actually going to be a little irritated because that's something i want to see yeah, that would be sweet. I hope they do something like that, even if it's not exactly that, but something in that yeah. realm feels like it should be done, probably, you know? Like, um, the other thing that, well, just like you bring up Ray, like, she looks like she could have a very cool arc in this one. And I yes. don't know how much more is character development. I feel like the bulk of her character development happened in the middle movie, and it'll probably continue. But this is going to be the third one, which typically means like, okay, whoever the main character is, is trained up and they're ready for the major things. And we see that in the trailer because of the TIE fighter and like she mm-hmm. runs and the backflip. I mean, the backflip that everybody saw if they if you've yep. watched the trailer. Yep, the backflip was awesome. And I knew it was going to happen from the moment that they showed the, uh, the just the way that it was shot when they showed the, the fighter coming in. I knew what they were going to do. And then she took off running in the opposite direction. Well, I guess in the same direction as it. I was like, yeah, she's, she's getting on top of that that tie fighter and uh the best speculation i've seen is that she's not leaping onto it uh to attack it but uh, it looks like because it doesn't look like a really good attack posture that it looks like she's going to ride it that it that uh kylo is taking her somewhere kind of like a mount that that they're friendly at that point and i would love for that to happen I just like when like force powers intersect with starfighters and starships and stuff because so much of what they show in the movies is because it's easy. I know why they do it, but they show the force as something that like you can use in battle. Like that's kind of the ultimate culmination. Like, hey, I'm a really good force user. I'm going to use it in battle. But there are so many cool things in the expanded universe that like they do with ships or they do with. I mean, you know, the force unleashed had like a giant star destroyer being smashed into the ground because of the force. And that's a little Mm -hmm. extreme. Um, Granted, like that's out of canon now, which is probably for the the best but there were enough <laughs> interesting things with the force and different types of force users and different approaches over the years that i love seeing when people do things that aren't just like straight up lightsaber fight as much as i love a good lightsaber fight oh yeah absolutely the i'm i'm really curious on if we're going to get any really awesome new force powers that we didn't know about and the way they were talking about it in the stream that led up to the trailer makes me think that we will uh because the way that people the way that uh, stephen colbert had worded the question and and that they were uh, mealy mouthing about it then and, and kind of just throwing it back to JJ. It's like there's something going on in this movie. 
Yeah, well, there's other interesting like structural stuff. Like the main trio is finally together, and that hasn't happened for seven or eight. Like this is going to be the first time that we have Ray, Finn, and Poe all like in the same place at the same time, and it's obvious that they're like traveling somewhere together. So I'm interested to see like what that's about. And I'm I never realized that that they had never been together until watching the Last Jedi the first time. Somehow it had never even crossed my mind that the trio wasn't together. That they had always split off in pairs one way or the other. Uh, until Poe had introduced himself to Ray, uh, it was just like, oh, they they wouldn't know each other, would they? That it never even like occurred to me. And so I'm excited about this because it means new character dynamics. That those are the best parts about some of these films. Like that, not all of them have the best dynamics, but this new trilogy has really really good character pairings. And so having the trio there should be fantastic. Hopefully. Yeah, I'm excited to see what they do with it. And I mean, I guess the other like main thing about the trailer that we can't move on without talking about is like there's a crashed Death Star that they're visiting. And then there's Palpatine that's like confirmed to be in it in some form or another. And it's so interesting that they would go back to that. You know, I assume it's the Death Star 2 is kind of what I'm thinking. Um, And you mentioned, too, at the same time that like Mark Hamill did a whole voiceover for basically the entire trailer. So it's like, are we going to get force ghosts? Are we going to get like the Sith version of a force ghost? Um, We could see other things like it could be clones if they do what they did in like the old extended universe i hope they don't do that way i really hope they don't i'm really hoping they're stepping away from that particular part of it but yeah and uh, like we don't know which death star it is or anything about it like it could be a third death star that never got finished or something but i I guess like the assumption on my end is that it's like the second one just from the way that it blew up like the first one is pretty much gone forever but the second one i could see it blowing up in a way that like okay maybe parts of it ended up on a planet nearby somewhere yeah it's weird that i immediately thought it was the death star 2 as well and then the more i looked at it the more i watched the trailer and, and just i was like why there's nothing about this that screams that this is the second one that i know about i mean and if it is and somebody has figured that out please let me know but i was just like of course this is the death star 2 and then i thought about it i was like why they both just blew up. It doesn't have to be, but I guess it was with the Palpatine laugh over it. The implication there is that it's the place that he died, so he's still right. like, there in some form or another. Which is really cool because it's it's like apparently in the ocean or something like that, and that is something that we've never seen. And so we know that you know if it's on the forest moon of Endor, like whether or not I'm sure, then we know there has to be have to be bodies of water for that kind of uh, ecosystem to exist. So if it's there if it's on indoor itself because uh or whatever it is on another moon in that system like it's just there's a lot that they could be doing with it just to give us a new locale and so i'm excited to see what that is well and there was some like artwork and um spec work done and some like very early versions of the script for episode seven where they found the death star and it was underwater and like ray was swimming to get to pieces of it and like find things so it sounds like that's something that jj had like in his head and he's repurposing it into this movie oh cool and that that's that is that will be awesome I never saw any of that. Was that in like the art books or anything? I only saw it after the trailer came out and then a bunch of people were sharing like the the Uh, previs art stuff. Like if you go look for it, you can find it. It's really interesting and it doesn't really give anything away except that it's like, oh, yeah, that's obviously Ray. And that's obviously like the Emperor's throne room underwater. That's fascinating. I'm going to do that because I've I've never seen that. That has not been uh, I've never seen someone share it or anything at all. That's awesome. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. Um, I guess the other like thing that I want to talk about before we jump off it as a topic is just like speculation and theories. And it's kind of weird because I feel like I don't have nearly as many as I normally do because I'm hoping that they take it in a new direction. And even if they don't, they're going to have to have some kind of satisfying conclusion. They can't leave too much hanging. So, you know, I I don't know. I, I just feel like I don't want to speculate. I kind of want to just like wait, but I can't help but let my mind go a couple places. So the first one is like because of the name of it. You have to wonder if Skywalkers is going to be a thing like that as a term or a group or something. And that was that was my initial 
like I, I've seen it everywhere now, but that was the first thing I thought was uh, was that that was a uh, that was a way for them to still keep the term to wrap everything up and still have the last Jedi mean something uh, like the actual term, the last Jedi, the title uh, where it could be right now, Ray or Luke. I would love for it to have been Luke and then Ray being the first Skywalker because I don't want her to be genetically a Skywalker. I think that that's a cop out in so many ways uh, that I would be fine with her being Ray Skywalker as a, you know, the leader of this new order setting things out, you know, doing it the right way with the gray force or whatever it is. Yeah, I hope they take it as like a moniker or something like that, because I don't want her to genetically be related either. I think that what they did with episode eight, one of the reasons it's one of my most, it is my favorite Star Wars movie, is The Last Jedi. Really? Oh yeah, easily. Um, Is that like, it opened it up to such a broad world of the Force. It did exactly what I wanted it to do. Like it hinted that the galaxy is huge and the Force is like everywhere and everybody can have it. You know, you don't have to come from one lineage. Like I want them to lean into that. That's what I want to see. And if they they come back and like they undo what episode eight did in episode nine and say, oh, actually, she's like the secret daughter of whatever. Like, I would be so disappointed. Yeah, that that all of what uh, what Ben had said was planted there by Snoke and it was misinformation. And just like, I like that it is real. Like that is more interesting in pretty much every way than her being another chosen one, uh, because it doesn't dispute the idea of Luke and Anakin being, you know, this chosen lineage, it just means that 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 other people can be special too. It means that you don't have to be chosen that I don't know. It's a uh, very Brad Bird. I mean, it's uh, that but the only thing that I'm glad that they're specifically retconning in um in The Rise of Skywalker is they're giving Kylo Ren back his helmet. I, that was my favorite part of the trailer was him welding his helmet back together. I love that helmet. I love the voice change that it gives him. And so I'm super excited that he's getting his helmet back. And I think it kind of undoes some of like the character growth and change that happens in eight. But I mean, I can I, I get why they do it. It's iconic and it could be very cool on screen. And like you said, audit like the audio behind it, too. Like, I'm not going to get too hung up on that one, but. I do hope that, like, as much as they're like, oh, Luke isn't the last Jedi, I kind of hope that he was. I kind of hope this yeah. is the foundation of, like, you know, a new middle path that's not extremist, like Jedi and Sith both are, because neither of those have ever sat right with me. I like that middle path, that gray path. So that's what I want to see going forward. That would be absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess the other thing is, like, what do you think about uh, Palpatine? Like, what's your theory? I, I really want Force Ghost Palpatine. Like, I really do. Uh, Austin and I had a really long discussion uh, right after the trailer came out. And, uh, like, he called me. Uh, he was late for work and driving, so we we nerded out. Like you and I are doing now, just on the phone right then. And uh, we were talking about how awesome it would be to have the, uh, f- that the big fight in this one, that the big super climactic uh, uh, battle isn't between Red and Ben any of this that it's Luke and Palpatine having a force ghost fight like that would be the coolest thing to me because we've never seen those kind of apparitions do anything other than sit and set a tree on fire I had not thought about that but I think I'd be okay with it I think that if they bring Luke back to do some wrap-up, it would be totally fine. I just hope that they don't undercut Ray's character development and like the right. overall universe's development in that direction towards opening it up and making it a world of gray instead of a world of like perfectly good or perfectly bad absolutes. If they undermine the world, I'm going to be upset. If they bring back Luke and Leia in a way to like wrap it up, I will be. I think I'll be totally fine with that. Right. And I don't and honestly I am I am hopeful that they will do it right because JJ's the one who started this and uh, he's really good at starting things. I mean The Force Awakens is my favorite Star Wars movie. Um so I love that movie and the things that he did. And so coming back onto this particular project, I think that he will 
do a lot of that stuff that you were saying because like like not for not I don't think he will let any of the uh the Luke and Leia stuff really overshadow Ray because that's his story to tell. He's not telling theirs like he is uh keeping theirs, you know, there obviously with the Han stuff and everything else. But Ray and Finn and Poe, they're the ones that he's working with. So I really have a feeling he's not going to let them be overshadowed by the original trilogy, given that he's doing two thirds of this one. Yeah, that's good. And I mean, I really just hope that J.J. Abrams embraces the changes that The Last Jedi brought to the table and then widens it and widens the force and like, you know, leans into it instead of there's a possibility here, right? Because he did yes. seven and seven was so like well-received that he could take what happened in eight and like kind of twist it around back into what seven was and go back to star Wars tropes and go back to what's expected. And right. I would be so extremely disappointed if that happened. I don't think it's going to happen, but I have to just like put it out there as a possibility because I'm pretty sure he was fairly well handcuffed and like handicapped to what seven had to be like that yes. movie had to be so many things that was an impossible challenge to give to anybody and i think he did an amazing job like the force awakens is just it's incredible for doing what it has to do it's just amazing but i don't want that movie again for nine yeah i mean it's a feat of of filmmaking like being able to pull off what he did given the restrictions i don't even want to say restrictions on it just given the boundaries and and just number of things that he had to do with it like you said like i don't know many filmmakers who could do that and so it being my favorite one i guess that's part of it but you're right i don't want to see it again i want to see them i want to see them do with with the rise of skywalker what the force awakens did only with the last jedi's take on things yeah i want to see something epic and amazing and new you know, I don't want to see a retread. I don't want it to be too predictable. I don't want it to really be predictable at all. But you know what I mean? It has to be within like the bounds of Star Wars in the bounds of the Skywalker saga. I'm kind of setting my expectations with that in mind. But like right. within that, I hope they do as much as they can to differentiate it. Yeah, I'm really hoping they do because I like the feel of The Force Awakens. I love it. I'm just hoping we get the world that was set up in The Last Jedi. Yeah, and I think you and I are on the same page that we want yeah. Ray's family to be like nobodies and we want yep. we want the world to broaden out, right? If they make her be I've seen like the whole, you know, a thousand generations reside in you kind of thing being uh, a reference back to the stuff that was in the uh, dark side cave with all the mirrors and things like that. I'm really hoping that doesn't mean that she's a clone of everything or or that she is some force uh kind of like Anakin was uh, Force-conceived. Um, I'm hoping that she's not something the Force put out to bring balance like that, where I'm I'm just, I want her to be, you know, nobody. And I've seen a couple of screenshots of the, of the, uh, the, the starship that left her on Jakku and the one in the trailer that's kind of flying toward uh, a city. It's a blue scene. It's flying toward a city at night. That those have incredibly similar uh, body shapes and the way that the uh, uh, tail uh, boosters and everything are put together. So we might actually find out what that is, too. Oh, that could be interesting, as long as they don't mess it up. That's the main yep. thing. As long as they don't mess it up. Like, that's the thing. It's like, I'm I'm hopeful on this one. Like, I like The Last Jedi a lot, and so I, I'm, I'm fine with everything that it did. I just, I'm hopeful that they, honestly, I'm hopeful, and I hate to put it this way, but that they don't give in. I'm hoping they tell the story that needs to be told instead of the story that will get them less flack. Yeah, I just I want them to stick the landing. It's the landing of this trilogy, and it's also the landing of this. I don't even know what's a trilogy of trilogies. The nine I, movies, I, I, a saga, I guess, is I guess. the best way that they've put it. Yeah. I mean, cool. Well, that's we wanted to cover this because we didn't know when we would get a chance to again. You know, whenever the next trilogy comes around. Um, but with all that said, uh, what's our geeky offer of the week? Patreon! Uh, guys, y'all have heard me say this before, and I'll say it again. If you go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast you can help us out with server costs, support the podcast, and uh, get a couple of cool things along the way. So why don't you go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast and around the network this week, uh, Geekitude Geo is still healing, so we wish him well. At Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, uh, they had an episode about BTS, and it was super interesting, and you could tell they're super passionate about it. And I'm not into K-pop, but like they make me 
by proxy kind of excited about the idea of K-pop, which is fascinating that they can do that. Um, Capital J is streaming on Tuesdays from 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern and sometimes on Thursdays and weekend. And then Troidal. Troidal has tons of stuff going on right now, guys. Um, he's streaming Thursdays and then sometimes randomly after dinner. But he has a podcast that's been going out daily leading up to Avengers Endgame. It's called Podcasters Assemble and then in parentheses, probably. Um, it's a crowdsourced Marvel hype podcast that's releasing daily until Endgame comes out. So we're almost right at the end here and then he has a kickstarter going on for an enamel pin that says perception check yourself before you wreck yourself and it has like a d20 graphic in the middle of it which is just awesome so if you guys are interested in that you can find it at troidalpower.com slash kickstarter yeah i was really excited when i saw that on uh, twitter because i'm not a pin person but there are stickers as well so uh once i remember my kickstarter password i'm going to uh, order one of the stickers to put on my laptop or a notebook or something because i love stickers so much and then also on the geek to geek Media website, uh, we have a blog called The Geekery that we've been doing, which is kind of our catch-all for things that don't fit everywhere, uh, anywhere else, I guess. And one of the columns is Dragon Quest Austin, where this week Austin is talking about Dragon Quest IV. Uh, he's been playing all of the Dragon Quest games uh, and trying to play them all this year. So uh, he's on Dragon Quest IV right now and writing about it. And then uh, the 13th story is a video game blog blog uh, column going uh, by our friend Bobby, uh, the 13th story on Twitter. And this time he's talking about with Easter, uh, the uh, digital holidays in uh, video games. So y'all should check that out at uh, geek2geekmedia.com slash geekery. Sweet. So that's around the network this week. Um, with that, it's time for Weekly Geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. What have you been up to? So I've been listening to Skyward, the Brandon Sanderson audiobook. Uh, you were talking about it a couple of weeks ago. And so I finished up the the, the Consuming Fire, uh, the John Scalzi book, and I went right into this. And I didn't realize how long it was at first like I should have it's a Brandon Sanderson book but because it was an audiobook I didn't even look at it and so I think I've got like eight hours left on it now and I've been listening to it all a long time and uh, it's uh, it's very good so far like I don't know if I even like the main character in it like I, she still doesn't sit well with me but I'm really interested in the world that he's built which is pretty standard uh, Sanderson fare in my mind but it's a really interesting uh, sci-fi world like you said and I'm super glad that uh, that I picked that one up it's it's really really good um, is it part of a series do you know yeah, or is it a I mean, standalone? It basically, I, I saw somewhere that there's at least one more coming. Awesome, because the way that he's built out the world and universe, just up to the point where I am in the book, I can totally see there being uh, more more story to be told than just this one particular almost origin story. Oh, yeah, for sure. I hope so. Well, uh, yeah, it sounds like there's a second one for sure. And then I wouldn't be surprised if it goes beyond that, but I would be excited for that. Yeah, that'll be awesome. And then I started playing two Dragon Quest games. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm, I, Okay, so I'm still playing Trails in the Sky. That's that's the primary thing I'm playing. But while my Vita is charging and uh, I've got it down, if I want to play something, um, I have Dragon Quest Nine on the DS and Dragon Quest Seven on 3DS. So I started both of them. And the reason that I'm not playing Nine because it is awesome. Like I love the way that it starts out. It is totally different kind of Dragon Quest than the others. Um, is because I want to play it alongside Austin because it's multiplayer. You and I'm going to visit uh, down there in about three weeks, and so it's uh, we want to play it together since it's multiplayer. So I'm gonna pull. I'm gonna not wait and play nine then, and then I just have Dragon Quest Seven on my DS. So while Trails in the Sky is charging, I'm actually playing uh, Dragon Quest Seven, and uh, that's that's really interesting so far. Just a really standard good JRPG like. They're good stuff. Cool. I'm, I'm always glad to hear when you're in a JRPG mood and you're enjoying all the ones you're playing. Yeah, I haven't run into a bad one yet, so I'm, I'm excited. Um, we are almost finished with our MCU rewatch. I did my MCU rewatch, too. Jumping into the middle of your geekery, I did one movie. That was all I intended to do, and I did it this week. I watched Was it Infinity, Infinity War? War? Yeah. Awesome. What did you think about it this time? Because I this is like the fourth time I've seen it now, and I actually like it better every time because it seems like it gets better on rewatches to me. Like, what did you think? 
so I liked it a lot in theaters from, you know, not knowing what was going to happen and just like being there for the culmination of this 10 years, which is what I'm going to feel hopefully later this week when, you know, Endgame comes out too. Um, yeah. And then I tried to rewatch it right when it came out on like, you know, at home, basically when I could stream it and I didn't watch it all the way because I didn't like it. Like I wasn't far oh. enough away from it that I didn't enjoy it at all. So I went back into this rewatch like this last weekend, not expecting much, kind of expecting to feel like I did last time, but I enjoyed it a lot again so i think i just need time between rewatches of infinity mm. war because there's so much going on there that it's a little i don't know messy yeah it's a little messy i just i just need a little bit more time between watches of this one you know i don't re- usually rewatch stuff super fast together and i think that's what happened the first time i tried to watch it yeah i totally i totally get that i'm the opposite of that where i i, I didn't hate it in the theater i shouldn't say that i was disappointed leaving the theater that it was just fine I was expecting something, expecting it to be more than it was, and it was messier than I wanted it to be from the Russos. And so going back in, having my expectations tempered like they are, I really like Infinity War now. Uh, as I rewatch it, I see how they've, they're they tying this stuff together and coming up after watching, you know, the, the previous 19 movies, uh, no, 20 movies. I, I don't know how many of them there were before that one. The two does. I, I can't count, but all the other movies before that, it, it made it better for me to see the callbacks and things like that from from the very beginning that were in there. Like, I really, really liked it. Um, we got through Infinity War. I was very excited to get through it. Uh, we finished Ant-Man and the Wasp last night, and uh, y'all will be listening to this uh, on Wednesday night, and there is a maybe that's when it's released and uh, there's a good chance that I will be in the theater watching Captain Marvel uh before the Thursday showing of Endgame that we have so uh we are we're we're keeping to it so I'm excited cool. about that That's awesome. And then I, I realized on Twitter that uh, it was the uh one year ago this week that I did the uh, Star Wars half marathon weekend where I was off like being super happy and running and stuff and it made me kind of sad because I didn't get to do that this year because it was like really and i know this is gonna sound really melodramatic but it was like the last time i was like truly happy like uh with all the stuff that went down last year it was just like that one like shining moment in my mind of being so happy but it also got me really motivated and i've really started running again and uh, trying to and i know you've gotten out doing stuff like that too and so it's just I'm excited to be moving around again. And I've bought I've got like three new pairs of running shoes that I'm trying out to figure out which ones I want to send back. And uh, like I learned today, the, the Hoka 1-1 Bondi, the Bondi 6 or Bondi 6, they're great. They're super soft. It's the most it's the softest shoe I've ever put on my feet. They're they're wonderful. Uh, I tried the Gaviota 2 uh, from Hoka. Not a good shoe for me. Like it's a great shoe in general. Not something good for me. I did five miles in it today. It's going back back hard uh there's a, I've also got to try the Olympus 3. The Olymp- the Ultra Olympus 1 was one of my favorite shoes, and they got a version 3 out now I've got in here to try tomorrow. And then uh, if none of those work, I'm going to go to the new version of the Arahi uh, by Hoka, which is what I ran those in last year. So I'm like super excited because I've also rediscovered my love of running shoes, so I'm geeking out about that a bunch. I'm always so. like happy for you when you talk about them, but like all the words just go like in one ear and out the other. Like I, oh, I try I understand. I my best. Like I read so much, like I, I my favorite issues of of like magazines and newsletters and things like that are when they're like, hey, look at all of these shoes that got released. I'm like, oh, they're so pretty. But that's uh, but yeah, that's what I've been doing this week is uh, geeking out and looking at which shoes I need to order so that I can send some back. Yeah. So like I said, I rewatched Infinity War uh, to prep for Endgame, and then I replayed through like half of Cuphead because it just came mm. out on Switch and. I like that game a lot and I've been away from it enough now, like for long enough that I was like, oh, I should go back and give it another try. And it's still super hard. Um, yeah. You know, like all the skill that I built up over the like week or week and a half that it took me to beat that game. It's mostly gone. Like I remember enough that it's helping me move faster this time, but it's still challenging. So I'm enjoying that a lot. And then um, I played a bunch of Magic Gathering Arena this week, which I'll talk about <laughs> in a minute. But before I talk about that, um, I want to talk about Clank, which is a board game that I grabbed this week for me and my kids. So we played a bunch of this uh, last night and I like it a lot. I, I, I want to play it more before I like fully recommend it. Like, but 
I can see there's a lot of fun here. So I want to talk about a couple of the mechanics that were super interesting. Uh, but in general, Clank is, it's like a pusher luck and it's a deck building game at the same time. And the flavor behind it, the theme is like you're thieves in a dungeon and you're trying to get lower in the dungeon because the lower you get in the dungeon, the better artifact you can loot. Uh, and okay. then you get more points for it. So if you want to be super competitive and like, you know, try to get the most points because you want to win, you can do that. But me and my kids, we were basically all just like cheering for each other to get good points. Um, and that was fun as it was. And the first player that gets out of the dungeon it triggers like the last four turns of the game. So basically everybody left is on a countdown, like a four turn countdown and you have to like get out in time. So that's where some of the pressure luck comes in. Like how far into the dungeon do you want to go and then still feel like you have enough time to get out when you need to get out. So that was pretty cool. But the main thing that was super interesting was this dragon bag mechanic. It's so cool. So it'll take a second to explain, but there's this like black velvet dragon bag. So it's black velvet. So you can't like see into it at all. Um, and there's a bunch of black cubes that you put into it right at the beginning of the game that represent like the dragon. And then after setup, you never actually get to like look in the bag fully again. Um, but there's a bunch of cards that as you play them, right. And you're like building your deck and you're playing cards over and over, they generate clank. And that's represented by your like cubes. So you have cubes that are the same size as those dragon cubes that have been in the game since the beginning, but yours are colored based on your player color, your little character. And so you put these in this clank area on the board and um, you have ways to interact with it. Like sometimes you have cards that remove clank so you could like take them back and then other things generate clank and it goes on there. But basically the next time the dragon attacks, all of those cubes, all of those cubes that are sitting on the clank space get picked up and dropped into the bag. So they're all just mixed in. And then you draw out a certain number of cubes and that determines like if you draw a black cube nothing happens but if you draw a player cube that player takes that damage and you put it like right on your damage tracker so it, it's this thing where um because you never quite know how much is in the bag because it doesn't go back onto the clank area right once it's in the bag it's in the bag for the rest of the game so it's kind of a mystery like wait how much did i generate and is still in there and like what's my probability of like if we have to get attacked again and we pull it am i going to take the damage or am i going to be okay you know if the more risky you are and the longer you're in the dungeon the more clank you'll end up generating just through play which is kind of mm. where that push your luck piece comes in right so towards the end of the game if you've been in there the longest you're still in the dungeon other people are out of the dungeon and you're still moving around um and try to like escape before the time runs out like you probably have the most clank in the bag and so every time the dragon attacks it's just like pins and needles and then anytime that you you are close to death or like you don't have a whole lot of damage left you can take especially like as the dragon gets more aggressive throughout the game and you draw more and more cubes out of the bag every attack i don't know it was just that was the most fun that my kids and i had with the game was like every time the dragon attacked we were all just like cheering for each other and like oh don't pull my color and just you know like big over-the-top reactions to this like little bag and i was just amazed by how much fun that generated that sounds like i know exactly the kind of of like intensity that comes from that like listening to it it wouldn't it doesn't sound like the kind of thing like yeah you're pulling a cube out of the bag yeah exactly but when you're in the middle of a game it's like you better not pull my cube out and you get nervous like you get tense at that kind of thing like I love that kind of mechanic. My son is, you know, six. He's getting close to seven, but he was like leaning into it because, you know, I put my co- my kids in charge of different parts of the game board. Like my daughter was the banker, and she was doing a couple other things, and so my son was in charge of like the clank area and in charge of the bag. So he got to draw all the dragon attacks last night. And like towards the end, anytime it was like a dramatic moment, he would lean into it, and he wouldn't pull them all out at the same time. He'd like pull them out and then not show anyone, and like slowly one by one dole them out as we reacted. <laughs> and it was the funniest thing, and we were just having a great time. So. I like Clank. It was really fun. I know there's like a bunch of expansions. I know there's different versions of it. Like there's Clank in space and there's other stuff. I can't speak to any of that. I just know that we played the base game a couple times now and we had a lot of fun with it. That's great. What are the players on that? Can two people play that? Would that be something Jennifer and I could play together or is that a three person game? Yeah, it's two to four in the base game. Two to four. Okay. Um, and the other thing that I did a bunch of was Magic the Gathering Arena, like I mentioned. So... I finished the new player experience. Um, the mastery tree is done, and I already kind of miss having something like that to work towards. Yeah. But, you know, in finishing it, I got all the pre-made decks, so now I have, like, basically a dual-colored deck for every, like, mana pairing, I think, right? You finished it, too, I th- right? I think so, yeah. I finished it up, and I'm pretty sure that's the way that it goes, that you get the uh, the off-colors instead of the, uh, the, the, 
I can't even remember what they're called now. Instead of the complementary colors, you get the contrast colors uh, like red, blue, and uh, black, white. Yeah, and I don't and know if so, I have one for every color pair, but now I have like 10 pre-made dual color decks, which is pretty yeah. sweet. Yeah, because completing the tree, you get the five color pre-mades. And then, well, when you start out the tree, you get the five color uh, monocolor pre-mades. Then you finish the tree, you get the the five pre-mades of complementary colors. And then getting to level 30 finishes everything out and you get five more of the uh, decks. You get five more decks thrown at you right then. And they all add new cards to your collection too, which is great. That uh, they all add like you'll get rares and mythic rares and things like that that you couldn't get uh, out except outside of packs from those. And I actually got some in there that I was wanting. So it turned out to be really useful to get those. Yeah. It almost instantly doubles your card pool when you get to the end of the new player experience. So I did that before I spent any more money. I know we were talking about it last week, how you and I had both spent like $5 on the newbie bundle. And after we had that episode, you followed up and you sent me a link that night. There was a $15 bundle in the game that was like, you found it and you sent it to me. It's like perfect for onboarding. So I yeah, grabbed it. Was perfect. That. You got yeah, it too, I did right? too. Yeah, I got it. I was like, I can't pass that up. So I put 20 bucks into the game. And right now, the uh, I have plenty of cards. Like I've built this one deck that I really, really like, uh, especially because of the wild cards uh, that you can do to like craft the whichever ones you want still. Uh, between the 20 bucks for the, uh, the basically the new player stuff, uh, all the pre-mades, and then the daily uh, gold that you can get where it's a thousand gold for individual packs, uh, just for like playing the the daily quest like casting so many color spells that kind of thing um it's been pretty solidly uh increasing my card pool like i really i really do like it yeah i mean i picked up that bundle and it i think it was just the way it was labeled that like i overlooked it as a good option for a new player it had a really strange name to it and it only had like gems in it which and Mm -hmm. like one other minor thing i was expecting like here's a bunch of decks to get you or not decks but here's a bunch of like cards to get you started plus this other thing like you think about a newbie bundle as having a little bit of everything but having enough to get going and really like once you found this and sent it to me and explained it then i got it you were like oh this is a good deal for the price and then you can use these gems to get your card pool like booted up and running so that's what i did like i get like 15 or 18 card uh 18 packs out of it or something like that so it's basically a dollar a pack that's right so i did like 15 packs of the core set to kind of start my card pool and then i took the other like three packs worth of gems and i put them into other formats just for fun and i need to get more probably more core set because i bought more of the uh, expansion cards just because they're more interesting and sadly i've seen more i've played with a lot more of the uh, core set cards and so i'm just like i need new cards and (laughs) uh, want to see what's out there instead of the ones like oh cool that's awesome that's a really good card i'm glad they've reprinted that i've played with that for 20 years that's funny well so i tried a little bit of like all the other modes too because um between like the the two newbie bundles i picked up like like i said i've only put 20 dollars into the game so far but i picked up those two newbie bundles and then i've been playing regularly every day so i'm getting that gold every day that's like Mm -hmm. the in-game currency you can spend on stuff so um this time as much as i liked sealed the other week like i thought okay i should try drafting and like try to get my head around it so i tried the traditional draft which um at the time that i did it it was the ravnica alliance or allegiances Mm -hmm. or whatever it's called that uh set and i didn't really like it and so like i can see how it could be good for card sniping but Mm -hmm. um i felt like frustrated more than anything else because i didn't understand all the cards in the set and my opponents just like crushed me you know there's a lot of like metagame knowledge that helps with drafting that i just don't have and also best of three just sucks as a new player like it is horrible (laughs) i hate that format so i don't enjoy it online it's not even necessarily being a newbie it's just it feels so trudging doing it online as opposed to being in person best of three in a card shop no problem at all best of three sitting at your computer alone is like oh i'm bored now well and specifically as a new player for me if you beat me once i can basically guarantee that you're gonna beat me the second time like there's Mm. no need for us to play that second game if i lose because you just you're gonna win like there's no question it's literally never happened any other way on magic the gathering arena every time i've lost once i lost the second one in the best Uh, of three especially in the draft where you just met they may just have a a deck that 
just destroys yours as right. opposed to it being a close game or something like that. So after that, I was like, okay, screw drafting. Maybe I hate drafting. Like I didn't want to overreact that much, but I was like, okay, I need something else. So I played just like normal again for a while. And then I tried Momir's Madness, which is like one of the special ones that they had this week. And it was crazy. It, it was super cheap to buy into. It was like a couple gold. It was like nothing compared to the normal prices <laughs> in the game. And it's basically a coin flip of a match. You have no control. There's no strategy. But like every turn you just play a land and then you like use the Momir card and it will generate you a random like creature of that cost. And it's just uh, it's crazy. Okay. It's a crazy like fun mode. So that was fun for a couple games. Um, and then I, a couple days later I came back and I was like, okay, there's another type of draft in here. Let me try that and see if I can get my mind around it a little better. It looks like it's more interesting or it's more um, newbie friendly because it's best of one, right? Instead of best right. of three. And instead of getting knocked out after two losses, you get knocked out after three losses. And I was like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it this one instead. So maybe I understood it better or maybe the way the ranking system works is just better in that mode, the ranked draft, but the non-traditional one. Um, but like I enjoyed it so much more and I ended up drafting with my kids, which was super interesting. They, they helped me build the deck and basically like, um, I started it going and then I got to the point where there'd be like a couple cards that I could legitimately pick like one of two or one of three cards. And if I ever got into that situation, I just let my kids pick which one they wanted. Oh, for good idea. Yeah. So I wasn't giving them 15 cards to choose from. I was giving them like two or three at a time, you know, closing that possibility space down, but still making sure that all of them would be okay choices for the most part. So they helped me build a red white deck. And, um, I think that if you're doing the non-traditional draft, which is this one, the one that I liked, it only pairs you against people who have the same win-loss record as you. So you start hmm. out, you you know, you're zero zero. Like you will play somebody else who has zero wins, zero losses, and then as you go along, like it will keep finding people who have whatever your win-loss record is. So it's always like fairly even. Which I don't know if that's true of the other draft format. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't done anything but the normal play and traditional play, and then ranked play. I haven't done any of the drafting or all of that because I've been spending my gold on. On packs and I should probably save some of it and then get into the drafting because it sounds like it would be fun to do even if it's not the the main draw the main thing I do it's so funny after last week's conversation about how much you like opening packs and how much I could just like care less because I've spent zero gold opening packs I've only done it on drafts and other formats and like trying different ways to play the game and it's it's been fun for me like I could now see myself doing like a ranked draft every single weekend just like pick up one uh, you know yeah. play through a handful of games and increase the card pool a little bit have some fun like earn some of the gold and gems back but like get new cards out of it like i could do that i'm not going to go back to the traditional ranked draft or the traditional whatever draft i didn't like that but like yeah. at this point i really just want sealed to come back because that's still my favorite i loved sealed that was so fun that would be really really cool the uh i, I missed sealed like it wasn't there when i started doing it so i need to like i've been looking for it and i haven't seen it so i'm really hoping that it'll come back so i can try it yeah i think they i haven't been playing long enough to know i'm i suspect they rotate it every week but it might be slightly longer than that but they definitely like rotate those three featured spots where like sealed and draft and ranked and there was singleton in there for a while and there's yeah. mirrors madness right now so i think it rotates pretty much every week it was singleton when i started so i uh that was one that i was just like yeah that does not sound fun so i'm not gonna bother yeah, but as much as there's like metagaming going on, if you're drafting, like my brother, after I told him my experience with drafting, he linked me a couple articles and that is a rabbit hole. You could just go down like, oh, okay, yeah. there's so much strategy involved there that you just need to know the game so well. And that's not me right now. Whereas sealed is like, you just open these and you have what you have and you have to make the best of it. And I like that so much. That appeals to me a lot. And War of the Spark is the next set that comes out. And so the pre the pre-order, pre-release, like fifty dollars for fifty packs is still up and for at least a few more days. Um I don't think I'm gonna end up getting it just because I don't really want to spend the money on it. Um but it's uh, also the pre-release at different card shops. I got a uh notification that one of our local card shops uh is doing two pre-releases, one at midnight and one at uh noon uh for the different first war of the spark when it comes out i think on saturday so 
Uh, if you guys are uh, interested in doing Friday Night Magic or anything like that, or if you you would like to go see some of it in person, uh, then uh, those are going on this week, if you're listening to this new. Yeah, it's coming out super soon. I'm getting excited to play it um, digitally, not physically, but digitally right. and, in Arena. And like, and if you are interested in, in physically, you can look that stuff up on Wizards' uh, website, that they have a, you know, find Friday Night Magic in pre-release search thing for people who are registered in so that's really cool if y'all want it i'm far enough in now that i could see maybe playing like the physical game with friends if i didn't have to buy all the physical cards and not get the digital versions Mm, um yeah maybe but i still don't know if i'm like i I, i'm just not the kind of person who like wants to go and play with a bunch of strangers like for anything it's not just magic it's just like in general you know i'd rather be at home or with people i know and that's kind of the person that i am it's weird for me because i would rather do it on a like a state level like go to a statewide pre-release is the most fun i've ever had a tournament like it was so great like the one time i went to the uh, torment pre-release but like that right now i go to a statewide pre-release for war of the spark that would be great because and i don't know why but like local people being there it's like i don't necessarily want to hang out with local people i'll see you around town it's like these are some strangers i'm gonna go play magic it's, it's got that online anonymity to it but you're in person i don't know it's it's yeah. odd everything that i've ever done that was like um a tournament or you know something card game where you go and you play as a group is yeah. because fantasy flight games is actually based out of minneapolis so they're like oh. in the twin cities where i live so they host worlds there they host regionals there they host like the really big events there um they don't do magic the gathering so that has nothing to do with like this upcoming <laughs> release but for like lcgs and stuff like i played a couple game of thrones tournaments and um the lcg and stuff like that like that's where i've played the most is like actually at the fantasy flight games headquarters in minneapolis Oh, that's really cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the other thing for Magic Arena uh, this week was the color pie. Like, I really started trying to, like, get my head around it a little bit more. So, I experimented with, like, dual mana color decks and really gave it a shot for the first time. Whereas last week, I still wasn't quite there yet. This week, I really dove in. So, like, um, some of it was trying to understand blue. Because after you talked about how much you (laughs) loved it and how much my initial reaction was just, like, hatred. So... Um, blue white was kind of fun blue black looked interesting but i couldn't make it work right Uh, i saw a bunch of interesting blue red so i should give that a try i just haven't had time yet Mm -hmm. but i mean all of that let me know that pure blue just isn't for me and i think there are probably some like dual color combos with blue that i could make work but just not the pure mono blue i'm just not that player yeah and right now i'm working on building a uh, white blue black uh, control deck that i found online uh that, that i'm gonna tweak a little bit for my play style but it's uh it looks really fun uh, yeah, and like I played um, red, black, and red, white a lot this week, and I liked both of those. So like mixing red with other colors, I want to try more of like mixing black with other colors because mm-hmm. I find myself more and more drawn to like that mono black. Like that's one that I really like. It's kind of resonating with me. So I'd like to mix that in with the other colors and just see how it feels and how that works out. Um, and then mixing white with a few of the other colors too was a lot of fun. So I'm starting to get a feel for like where i'm drawn from the way the cards play whereas in the past every time i played magic like as a kid or earlier before i didn't i i had never fully grokked the game until the last two weeks you know and yeah so all of my reaction to the colors before was to the flavor of them and to like the thinking behind that the story elements right like the the meta part of it it wasn't to how they actually played but now that i'm playing rapid fire games back to back and getting a feel for how the cards play i'm finding which ones i'm actually drawn to from a gameplay perspective which is fantastic like and it's weird to me to think of being mono black because those are the ones that i look at and be like i just don't like these cards i don't like the way that these play together except for just very specific black cards yeah, I, I like them. There's a bunch of yep. really interesting concepts there. Whereas like blue, I just see it. I'm like, this isn't fun to play at all. <laughs> yeah, like, this is boring. <laughs> I but, understand. Yeah, probably my best deck of the week was a red white draft deck. That one that I talked about that I did with my yep. kids. Um, we got four wins with it, which is just awesome for that format of drafting. And we got a ton of our gems back and we got like a couple extra packs out of it. And I don't know, we won enough that we got some really sweet rewards. That's and, really awesome. Yeah, that was fun. So the other thing I want to say, like around magic is that i don't think i could have gotten this into magic gathering arena in the way that i have the last two or three weeks without all of the lcg and like hearthstone experience that i've had in between 
the last time I tried to do magic and now because oh. like the last time I probably tried to give it a shot was like 10 years ago maybe 15 like it's been a long time um you know as much as my brother has tried to put it in front of me like it just it was never the right time and it was never the right thing but because I have played like the Game of Thrones LCG and I played that for a couple years pretty consistently with people at work almost every lunch break you know and then um same thing with like some Lord of the Rings LCG and I've played so much Hearthstone like off and on over the last few years too uh-huh. that like i've really gotten to understand some of the fundamentals that apply across all card games like card advantage board advantage mm-hmm. like mana advantage you know stuff that it matters and i think that i'm able to grasp magic because i have all of that to draw from now i don't think there's any way i could have gotten into this as fast and as deep as i have if i didn't have that to draw from you know i don't doubt it i've never necessarily even thought about that but maybe one of the reasons i've always loved card games so it's probably from having such a deep understanding of how magic worked from such an early age where i see new card games or something like that be like yep that is not going to be something i'm going to play or i'm going to get so hard into this like i did with hearthstone and wanted to do with netrunner and never had a chance to yeah and part of it might have just been like my approach is that i like piloting interesting decks and i don't care about like building decks that much so every time i would get into a game like this i would tell my friends like yeah build the decks that you want to play against or that you want to try out against something else and i'll just pilot whatever as long as it's a decent deck Mm -hmm. so i'm used to being handed a deck that i've never seen before and told hey this is good here's like the one or two things to know about it for like how you should approach playing it and then just go and so that got me to be i'm not going to say i'm like an awesome player at any of them but i got to yeah. be fairly good across the board because i was in that situation enough times for enough years that i can kind of just take a deck and roll with it like as the cards come up that i've never seen before and just understand what it means based on the current board state that that makes a lot of sense yeah yeah i had a lot of fun so that was most of my week which is why it was the big part of my week of geekery um I'm still playing it, but I assume that now that we had a full episode about it and I've talked about it for like three weeks in a row, I'll probably have less around it going forward, but just know that I'm playing it like every single day, which is crazy for me. The other Magic the Gathering thing I did this week before I jump away from the topic is um, I started listening to the podcast that is done by one of their lead designers. I think he's the lead vision designer. His name is Mark Rosewater, and it's called Magic the Gathering Drive to Work. And it's literally a podcast that he records on his drive into work. (laughs) And the sound quality bothered me at first, but I got over it because the content was so good. (laughs) The way I got over it was I started listening to it on my own drive to work so that I would just hear the card noise and not think about it. Um, Uh, But after I listened to enough episodes, I was like, yes this is interesting i like this a lot and then i just started like marathoning them and it's so fascinating to hear all the thought that goes into it and all of the things going on behind the scenes of the cards and like behind the scenes of the sets and it makes me appreciate the game more to understand like i don't understand necessarily the current metagame and the best decks and how to play them and stuff but i understand this like higher design level now because i've been listening to him i've probably listened to like 50 or 60 episodes in the last week oh yeah and i feel like i have a better idea about like what their approach is and why they do what they do and how some of the cards are constructed just all the thinking behind it that's really cool i know that i remember you talking uh like it may have been in slack about how the sound quality of of a podcast was driving you crazy because it was it was in the car i didn't realize it was this one that it was a magic the gathering one yeah i'm glad i stuck with it because i didn't know if i would but there's such good content there that i'm listening to it like all the time and there's like 700 episodes so if i want to listen to the whole thing i could i don't know how far back i'm gonna go but right now i'm not stopping because it's so fun does it come out every day or uh is it a daily thing it's like once or twice a week is about how often yeah okay so it's not something that he's just doing every day talking about this stuff but yeah so i get it yeah yeah so that's it a lot of magic this week um (laughs) probably it for the show too uh you can write to us with comments suggestions feedback our email address is geekgeekcast at gmail.com or reach us on twitter at geekgeekcast we also have the longer discussion threads on our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geekgeekcast we also have great discussions on slack and discord and you can go to geek2geekmedia.com for your invite links so that you can hang out with us and you can also get to know all the other shows on the network I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grn mushroom that's green mushroom without the e's on twitter and I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's Beej with two E's. And uh, my blog is over at the media site. 
<laughs> We've been Void and Beige with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, geeks. Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast today. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek. Hello, friends. This is Troidal Power inviting you to join me over on Twitch most weeknights sometime after dinner. Video games have always been a social hobby for me, with friends and family crammed together on a couch chatting away while someone holds the controller. And thanks to the power of the internet, I've got my own virtual couch over on Twitch where you can kick back and goof off while I play games. Find me on Twitch by searching Troidal Power, that's T-R-O-Y-T-L-E Power, to snag a spot on the couch.